This is the Late to the Play podcast. We are recapping major sports headlines from the last week. We're recording late night from Southern California. Let's get started. Welcome to the Late to the Play podcast. My name is Nathan Kuzbari, alongside Davis Ladd and Karthik Arun, here for another week of major sports headlines. And this week, we're here to discuss the March Madness weekend, wild weekend of March Madness, Sweet 16 preview. And we're going to highlight all of the MLB offseason moves from last week, as well as all the major trades in the NFL. And then we'll go on a little side topic, talk about our top five ballparks right now in baseball. So I want to just kick this off with March Madness. Boys, what a wild weekend. I honestly could not believe some of the upsets that occurred. Um, a lot of the sports betting lines were pretty crazy as well. And it was just an amazing weekend to see, you know, teams like St. Peter's and Iowa State, you know, taking on these major teams and, and upsetting them. So I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on on the weekend and and what you thought were some of the biggest surprises and any takeaways from uh, March Madness. Yeah, March Madness was was really fun. Best weekend in sports. Four days of straight basketball, um, starting at nine fifteen and ending at eight or nine o'clock. It was super fun seeing the upsets. St. Peter's won two games as a fifteen seed, uh, making it to the Sweet Sixteen. Obviously. Uh, you got the big seeds like Kansas um, uh, that won and also uh, Baylor that lost to North Carolina UCLA still there there were some really good matchups all the way across but now I think it gets to the important part of the college basketball season is I think the um, the schedule really is nice because it goes from the elite eight and then next weekend is the final four so these elite eight matchups are all across the board really really tough um, including Texas Tech Duke uh, Gonzaga, Arkansas, and you have a couple others, UCLA, um, North Carolina in there and St. Peter's plays Purdue. So, um, that's the left side and the right side, um, is stacked as well with a little bit of surprise in people's eyes, Iowa state winning two games and Miami beating Auburn in the round of 32, which is really surprising, but overall really good basketball, um, great poster dunks, good blocks. Not any buzzer beaters, which is surprising, um, but I think we'll get a few here uh, coming up in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight and Final Four. I think the best thing about March Madness is the close games. Every game was within, you know, five points, and it was coming down to a few possessions. So, you know, to see that competitiveness in March Madness is just what gets the juices flowing. It's uh, honestly pretty cool to, to see all that and. Um, like I said, all the, the smaller schools like St. Peter's having those upsets. I think the biggest surprise for me was North Carolina. I did not <laughs> expect them as an eight seed to come out here yeah. and sho shove Baylor around like they weren't a one seed. You know, I think North Carolina is playing like a three or four seed right now. And I think that kind of speaks to the committee under seeding teams in this tournament. And it's happening that. every year. And now we're getting to the point where the committee has teams that are misplaced in the bracket, which affects the entire bracket itself, which is why everyone's bracket is getting busted every single year. You know, Absolutely. it's just, it's just crazy to think that 
you know, high profile schools like that can be ranked so low. And because of that, they come out and they can get upsets over number one seeds like Baylor. Um, you, you see teams like Auburn, number two mm-hmm. seeds going down to a school like Miami. And yeah. I it's think that point, was cause... the biggest takeaway from the weekend is the seedings were a, a little bit misconstrued, I think, in, in terms of how the committee laid it all out. But right. Davis, I wanted to to get your thoughts on that or any other surprises or major things that you saw from the weekend. Yeah, sorry. I've been busy eating some <laughs> Austin Farms peanut butter sandwich crackers, also known as <laughs> oh, the he... orange crackers you buy on the golf course, which are <laughs> the greatest golfing uh, snack that you can buy. And these are actually left over from our round when we played. I bought two of these, only ate one. So <clears throat> anyway, um, what we're talking about? Oh, yeah, that's right. Basketball. So... Yeah, I think, Nathan, um, mainly what I was going to touch on was just UNC. I mean, them being ranked as an eighth seed, I going into this, I had no knowledge of what was going to happen because I didn't watch any of the regular season. But I was just, you know, I, you read the little blurb underneath the ESPN bracket, <laughs> which is like what most people do, or you listen to the, like, one-and-a-half-minute video from Joe Lenardi talking about the teams. And <laughs> I think, like, the biggest thing that everyone was saying was, like, unc at an eight is like insane like this team is really good and they whipped up duke and i mean you know they ruined coach k's final game and in, in um no uh oh actually yeah that's they right did. in the in yeah the they beat him by 10 in, in camera yeah, right in yeah. this final game yep so yep. i mean obviously they're a really good team but i i i don't know i think i agree i think unc coming in when it was huge and then then for them to beat baylor that's that's big time um yeah. i don't know looking through here let's see my back, my bracket's pretty burned up because it caught fire after like the first game. So I'm trying to let's see what what's interesting here. Well, I oh, think oh uh, yeah, you're... I got one. I got one more for you. San Diego State losing to Creighton. Okay, as as we know, they blew that game at the end. They yeah, blew, blew that it. game at the end. Absolutely they were, blew it. I mean, they that... up like nine with like a yeah. two minutes left, and then the number like two that. ranked no busy number no two problem. ranked defense in the country, and they folded mm-hmm. like the worst collapse. I mean. It was just as bad as the Padres collapse last year. You know, San Diego, San Diego, we, we keep it nice and steady with our disappointment. But uh, yeah, I think I had San Diego state win in that game just because I, I don't think Creighton could have produced enough offense to get through San Diego state's defense. Um, and, and they were hanging around with Kansas for a little bit too. Creighton really surprised me this tournament. Yeah. And it makes me wonder would... if San Diego state didn't fold, would they have put it to Kansas? You know, we, we, we know that the, a good defense in March Madness will outweigh a good offense unless that offense starts to roll. And if your defense can stop them from rolling, you have a good chance of winning. So, yeah, I don't know. That's just what Joe Lenardi told me. I think another (laughs) team that's super impressive, very underrated university of Houston, what they've been Mm -hmm. able to do the last three years, they've been to the sweet 16, the last three years. Yeah. I think the, the program that Kelvin Sampson is, is, building over there the way they beat illinois how do you I mean, know the, how do you know the coach's name <laughs> kelvin sampson he used to play he used to coach at oklahoma okay <laughs> and, but and so, i agree with you Coos. yeah that they is... pounded them by 15 points and i was just shocked sitting there you know yeah. i was just like wow illinois in the big 10 it just showed me that the big 10 was a little overrated this year and a lot of teams beat up on each other in the Big Ten. And I think what happens is once they get to the tournament, they kind of just fade away. Like they just don't have that same energy, that same passion. 
uh, and they get beat by schools like Houston. You know, the Big Ten really flopped this tournament. The only team left is Michigan, and they're an 11 seed, and no one expected yeah. that to happen. Yeah, so no, that's a good just point. Look, just looking also at that, like that side of the bracket, it's it's just crazy to me that I, um, that 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 uh, that stuff happened. Yeah, no, I do want to say that I think Houston looks like the best team in that region by far. Um, Arizona had a shaky game against TCU barely won in overtime. Yeah. <laughs> and Villanova had a great game too, but it, it, they did look shaky against Ohio state. Michigan did look impressive, but they were an 11 seed. So that was kind of surprising for me. Um, but I quickly want to get your guys' opinions on the sweet 16 now without, now that we have the matchup set. So looking at it, obviously we have Gonzaga, Arkansas, uh, Texas tech and Duke. And that is in the West region. Uh, what's your guys' thought on that? And also uh, the other region with Michigan, Villanova, and um, Arkansas against uh, – I'm sorry, Houston against Arizona. there's anything you need to fear in March Madness, it's a tall white dude with a mustache. <laughs> okay, so Gonzaga's obviously going to win because they've got Timmy and they've got the other dude who looks like – Chad Holmgren. Yeah, that yep. guy. Yeah, he looks like, you know, he's a skinny, tall, white dude. Just – Eastern Washington Zags, man, they're just going up there. They they recruit a little differently, but yeah. hey, it works. Good good for you, Fran. Yeah, Choose, what do you uh, think? I mean, Gonzaga, I I honestly see a Gonzaga Texas Tech matchup in okay. Elite Eight. I right. think Coach K's and uh, the end of his career is coming. Uh, I I don't think they have enough to win a national title, and. You know, they did beat Michigan State by nine points, but in that game, uh, Michigan State kind of had control of it early on, and then they kind of just let it slip away. So mm -hmm. um, I love Texas Tech. They they haven't played the greatest, but they did put a pounding on Montana State, and they did beat a hot Notre Dame team. So yeah, I just like the way Texas Tech is playing defensively, and I think it'll, it'll probably be enough against Duke, but who knows? I might be wrong. It'd be great to see a Gonzaga Duke matchup too. I, I'd love that. Yeah. They battled earlier in the year too. And that was really exciting with Duke winning that one. But yeah, no, I agree with you because Texas tech is an interesting matchup for Duke. Um, they play a lot of guards. They have a lot of depth, something that uh, Duke has struggled with inconsistently. And I know that because I'm a Duke fan and I watch all their games and it's been <laughs> really frustrating. Um, yeah. So it's a really tough matchup with Texas tech on the other side. I think Houston is a really dangerous team, like you were saying, and I don't think Arizona's played that well. Um, they do have Benedict Mathurin and Coloco, who have looked really impressive. But Kerr's nephew he, came back, though. He's back. So Yeah, but the only thing was is I know he's still hurt, and Houston runs a lot of guards like Jamal Shedd and Fabian White Jr., um, they're going to be uh, experienced and well-battled. They must um, They must have had like 20 offensive rebounds against Illinois. That's going to yeah. be a huge factor because mm -hmm. Arizona has their bigs, but uh, if they can out-rebound Arizona, they have a legitimate chance to win this game because they play yeah. great defense, and all they have to do is play great defense, take care of the ball, and I think that it's going to be a heck of a ball game against Arizona. Yeah. I am hoping that, cross my fingers, that – Arizona does not lose because I have them as my national champion. So that's the only thing that I'm pulling for right now. But I think in that region, yeah, I think I have Arizona and Villanova moving on. I think okay. Villanova, Michigan's, yeah, I, I, Michigan's run is going to come to an end. I think right. they, they got some really good matchups. Um, yeah. Surprisingly, they beat Tennessee. That was, that was pretty phenomenal to right. see. Um, I, I think Villanova expect... with well-coached Jay Wright team is, is going to be primed. 
the spread on that is five. You know, I think Villanova is a good spot there to take that one. I, I do want to get your guys' thoughts on UNC, UCLA, Purdue, St. Peter's, obviously the Cinderella story from New Jersey, Kansas Providence, which should be a pretty good game. Uh, Providence, the only team from the Big East still in the tournament. And then the surprising uh, Sweet 16 matchup of Ohio State, Michigan, Miami. Iowa State. Sorry, oh, Iowa State, Miami. Iowa State, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's start with the East region. So North Carolina, UCLA, the Blue Bloods of college basketball. Oh, yeah. I just love it, baby. It's going to be great. Uh, North Carolina has been playing so well. UCLA mm-hmm. was in the Final Four last year. They have yep. pretty much their entire starting lineup from last yep. year. Very seasoned veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Johnny Juzang. I, I I love some of the UCLA players. They're, they're Hawkes is is questionable right now, but they he do did expect hurt him himself. To play. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, and then North Carolina. I mean, they just run you up and down the court. You know, right. they're one of those fast paced offenses. They don't like to get in the half court. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if UCLA can keep up with the tempo that North Carolina brings. Mm-hmm. And I think. North Carolina is actually going to pull off the upset. I, really? I, I wow. love North Carolina right now. I just I love know. the way they're playing. Not this matchup. Really? I think the I mean, experience of Hawkins, Juzang, Jules Bernard, they got Cody Whitebrack. I think this is a moment where Mick Cronin shows that he's a really, really experienced coach in the tournament. Let's not forget. Do you forget think they'll Hubert, make adjustments throughout the Yeah, game. absolutely. I think Hubert Davis is really inexperienced at the spot. Remember, North Carolina was always led by Roy Williams, who has been there at several That's other opportunities in the Isn't tournament. Isn't it Hubert Davis's first year? Hubert Davis's first year. Yeah. I think yeah. UCLA is going to slow it down. The important part in that game is the rebounding. If Armando Baycott makes his emphasis against Cody Riley, UNC will win the game. But I do think Johnny Juzang, who found it in the second half against St. Mary's, is going to have a good game, and I think UCLA will move on. Um, you know, going on the other side, Kansas Providence, that's a really interesting game, um, on Friday, I think Providence, uh, Lutz, been... if you're listening to this, we're previewing <laughs> your Providence Friars. Yep. Friars. Uh... Yeah. Prof. Um, yeah, yeah. they have, they have really surprised a lot of people. Obviously I've, I've watched a lot of biggies basketball. Providence is really, really good. They have Jared Bynum. They have complete wings that can fly out there. Um, they play really good defense, and Ed Cooley can coach. Ed Cooley can really coach. But it'd be interesting. If Ochi Abaji for Kansas has another bad shooting game, I do think that Providence could sneak the upset in that one. Nice. Nice assessment there. Uh, we have two other games. We have the Purdue-St. Peter's. I Honestly, I, I love what St. Peter's is doing. They've uh, been playing <laughs> beyond anyone's – imagination and dreams it's just been incredible um, i saw this thing on on one of their players actually signed an nii nil deal uh with buffalo wild wings because he had gotten so popular from saint peter's run doug just, doug, just, yeah, doug yeah doug yeah <laughs> doug it, it's just crazy to think that you know love it these these small schools can blow up in a matter of Absolutely. a week a few That's days the greatest part and you know these kit players cash in on nii L deals mm-hmm. and you know everybody wins you know it's just this great publicity for the school I think I saw another stat that it brought in like 40 to 50 million dollars of revenue oh yeah for St. Yeah, Peter's yeah. Mm-hmm. and which is insane to me 
to think yep. that, you know, a couple of days of publicity and now you're like the biggest thing that's ever happened in college basketball. It's just, that's why yeah. we love March Madness because things like this happen, all these magical storylines that you'd never thought would ever happen. These Cinderella teams that, that make a run mm-hmm. and St. Peter's is definitely that team this year. But uh, with that being said, I, I think their season's going to end like it ah, did with Purdue, Florida. Huh? With Florida Gulf Coast a few years ago, they were 15 seed. They right. made it. They lost. Um, I don't see this as being like a loyal Chicago run into the Final Four or like a VCU. Hmm. Um, I don't the think break. they have enough. They they had the energy going in from last weekend, and, and now you get what five days off. Yeah, that's hard. They don't that, play no matter Friday. how hyped or energized you are, that cools down. Yeah, like I, these I kids go back Purdue... to class. Purdue has a lot of uh, veterans on their team. Ivy is a beast. He's been carrying him. Yeah. Um, I, I just think they have too much firepower for St. Peter's to keep up. That'll be a really fun game to watch. That'll be a fun game. And the last game, uh, Iowa State Miami. Who would have thought an 11 and 10 seed would be facing off in the Sweet 16? Yeah. Uh, I, I was reading this article about Iowa State and, and how last year they were like 2 and 27. Mm-hmm. To go from 2 and 27 to be in, in the sweet 16 the next year. I mean, they didn't, they didn't even have anything going last year and to put in all that hard work in the off season and to have that belief as a team to mentally get yourself out of something like that. I think that's the most remarkable thing. You know, they have a lot to be proud of, get to the sweet 16, face another team like Miami who is making another magical run. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to think, one of those double digit seeds again this year is going to make the elite eight last year was UCLA and Oregon state. It's great. I think it's great for college basketball. The competitive balance has just been phenomenal um, the last couple of years. And I think this is just the icing on the cake showing that any school can really go on a run. You just have to get hot. You have to have a few breaks bounce your way. And next thing you know, you're in the sweet 16 or elite eight. So (laughs) yeah. No, I think uh, I think Miami's going to win that game, though. I, I like your uh, synopsis of uh, – sorry, I should say soliloquy of uh, <laughs> Iowa State, but I think Miami uh, wins that game. ACC 6-1 and one in this tourney, surprising. Um, but I think Not it should be a good that. Sweet 16, and, um, you know, can't wait for the Final Four next week in New Orleans, I believe, right? Yes, Final Four is in New Orleans, New Orleans this yeah, year. Yeah, which would be good I, for the city I there think too. it'll be in the uh, Mercedes-Benz Superdome, I believe, mm. where the Saints yeah. play. That's good. So, yeah, I like that area for them. Yeah, I don't think the Final Four has been in New Orleans in a very, very long time. They usually do Indianapolis, Houston, um, you know, the major cities. I think so. they did it back in 2012. The only okay. reason why I remember that actually was 2012 or 2013. The reason why okay. I remember that is because Ohio State was in it. So um, – <laughs> They actually got beat in the final four by Kansas. I remember that uh, game. It was, yeah. it was sad, but yeah. Anyways, Davis, any final thoughts on everything we just talked about? Um, go Michigan. <laughs> I know hey. he's hyped about Michigan. No, I think, hey. I think you guys covered it. I mean, I think, like I said, I agree with you that St. Peter's is going to lose. I, it's hard to maintain that energy coming out of a four or five day break. Um, especially when you shouldn't be there in the first place. Um, I think Arizona Houston, in my opinion, is the best matchup mm. coming out there. I think, I mean, that those are two hot offenses. Uh, it's going to be a good game. Um, I agree. I think Texas Tech beats Duke. It's over for Coach K. Although, knowing how the, the sports gods work, maybe it's Duke's year. Who knows? Um, I don't think I have anything else. Yeah. 
I think it should be fun. It should be a fun weekend of, of basketball. Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens in the final four. And we'll have that final four preview for you next week on the next late to the play podcast, but moving on, (laughs) uh, we are going to go into some major off season moves in the MLB. Uh, Davis and I were actually just in spring training this past weekend to watch the giants of Padres and, Boy, are we hyped for the season to, to finally be here after the lockout. And to touch on the major moves, uh, I'm just going to kind of go one by one. I think the biggest headline from this past week was Carlos Correa to the Minnesota Twins. Who would have thought that a guy like him who's trying to get a $300 million contract would be like, you know what? I think I'm going to go to the Twin Cities and cash in three years for a hundred million dollars. Well, I don't, and, I don't think it was that simple. I think it was Correa was thinking he would go to the Yankees and the Yankees probably were like, well, you want $300 million and I've got two top rank uh, prospects Volpe. And I can't remember the other guy's last name, yeah. um, but like the Yankees are not the Yankees that we knew growing up or that our parents knew. Like they have decided that prospects are now worth developing. I mean, what used to be they got a prospect. He was instantly traded as soon as the prospect ranking came out because they just built and bought. That's what they did. Um, So, I mean, yeah, like I think Correa wanted to go to the Yankees and they were like, but because of all those, because of all those trades, it didn't allow them. Well, I think those trades happened because the Yankees front office decided it's better for us to play and develop these prospects, Volpe and the other guy, and see what happens with these guys. It's it's a new image for the Yankees. Okay, they're going to develop these guys. They said, why would we pay Correa three hundred million over I don't know 10, 12 years or whatever when we've got two guys who are going to come up and we believe fill that spot and we'll get them for a hell of a lot cheaper. So they made the trades for Kiner Falefa and Josh Donaldson and did all that knowing they were not going to get Correa. And then outside of that, where's Correa going to go? I mean, he wasn't going to go to the the Tigers. That was a team that was rumored at him because Baez signed there. He took that deal when they gave it to him. Was he going to go back to the Houston Astros? Possibly, but I don't think the Astros wanted to pay him that much. So they probably offered a one-year deal just to get him through it. Uh, no, I think there was rumored that they offered him 150 over four. Well, they did. And they he declined it. Why the hell would he not take that? <laughs> he said he wanted more money than that. <laughs> So Houston. he went. So he went to Minnesota for less money. Yes, that's. I think Love he that. overplayed his hand. I mean, yeah. I think. Yeah, he, I think he did the he, same thing Freddie did. He overplayed his hand. This he is a, this is a blame get... your agent deal. This yeah. is like my agent said we should do this, and his agent lost the bet, and yeah. so he ended up having to take a position with the Twins. Yeah. And you know, he look, he's going to get thirty, what thirty three and a half million or something mm-hmm. over three, you know, each year for three years, like get your money dude that's great and he's gonna and come he out and opt out for after the second year yeah he can opt out if he thinks there's a better opportunity for him which he'll probably do or if the twins are winning at that time stick around get an extension after that and if you don't like playing there after your three years you're still in your prime he's probably still going to be a big time bat still good at defense so i mean it, it's weird it's like who who expected the twins to sign a big name guy especially when they don't have any pitching but I don't know. I mean, they had money to spend and they chose to spend it. So that's not something that we should berate them for. You know, look at the, the bottom teams, the Guardians, the Athletics, and I, um, I think the Reds Warriors. are all like sub 40 million in their rosters. Like, are you kidding me? That's absurd. And the yeah. Padres are spending $219 million. I mean, come on. The Padres used to spend 40 million. So 
to be third place in the, to yeah they're spending oh, all that yeah, money on third I just did see it, by the way, uh, Davis, uh, uh, not to stray away from these uh, bigger moves that Tommy Pham signed with the Reds. Tommy Pham with the Reds? Damn. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Yeah, he's signed to the Reds. <laughs> I wonder if they have a Pacers there. Oh, man. For those of you who don't know what that means, Google Maps Pacers in San Diego and you'll find out. Uh, oh, so, so moving sorry. on, Coos. Next person. Moving on, Coos. Uh, oh, next, boy. Next, uh... Moving on. Yeah, Trevor Story to the Red Sox. Oh, that's a huge what one. A move. Yeah. I, I think this is this Red Sox lineup, one of the best in baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can already imagine him hitting bombs over the green monster. Yep. And Matty Lebs just chilling out there in the outfield, catching his run balls. Like it's just, it's just crazy, man. I, I, uh, I did not expect him to go to the AL East, but um, I don't know why I thought he was going to stay out West and possibly join another team in, in the division, but ended up not playing out that way. I think he still got a really nice solid deal with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he was a, maybe he was worth over 200 million but i still think he landed a pretty good deal and i think it's a win-win for both teams i think he'll be on a contender in a loaded al east and i think the red saw pretty good this year yeah because yeah. i think that's the most underrated pickup in free agency i think the red Sox signing trevor story and him agreeing to play second base because xander bogarts plays short um, that's a really good pickup for them. If he can, you know, learn that position pretty quickly and be good defensively, his bat with Kike Hernandez, Rafael Devers, um, you know, they have Bobby Dahlbeck as well. They have a really good solid team that can, uh, JD Martin. The, mm-hmm, that can compete in the AL East. Um, so that was a really interesting pickup. I, I, I do think it was really good for the Red Sox. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think it's interesting because there was a lot of debate whether or not them signing story means that Bogarts is going to leave. Um, I think it's the opposite. I think he stays. I think it's going to be the Derek Jeter deal, Derek Jeter deal, which is like Jeter stayed it short when they signed a rod who should have been their shortstop. A rod moves to third. I mean, it's Bogarts is just, it's just reverse Bogarts will stay at. Sh- I mean, actually, I'm sorry. It's the same Bogarts will stay at short and story will play second. Um, I saw someone mention on Twitter that like defensively, he's actually like not great at second, but I mean, go fill some grounders, kid. Like, you know, it, you'll you'll figure it out. You're gonna hit almost 50 home runs in that stadium. It's yeah, he can absurd. work on it easily. Yeah, yeah. I, it's I. I you solid. know what's crazy yeah, too is like, and not to mention. Go, go ahead, Coos. <laughs> not to mention, they also have Alex Verdugo. He he's a rising yeah. stud. I I think in that lineup. I mean, it's it's a pretty dangerous lineup and they, I think they, they're going to have better pitching too this year. So I, I, I think the Red Sox, I don't think they're that's, have that's the biggest pitching. question mark is their pitch. I mean, they got Chris sale, but he's old, he's getting older. Oh, his he's arms not starting really, the season healthy. Yeah. He's already his arms been really suspect. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, is Nathan Eovaldi your ACE? Come on. Like, no. So Bullpen. they need some pitching help, but Bullpen too. Bullpen um, questions. but the Red Sox play in a stadium in which it's kind of like Coors field where Coors field, you're not going to get good pitching because you know, a pop-up turns into a 500 foot home run it a pop-up in um fenway is just a home run because it's such a small bar ballpark unless you hit it to like center right but 
Um, anyway, I, I, I think the biggest thing that's going to come out of the Trevor story signing is that the Yankees suck. Like, like, and I don't mean like they actually have a bad team, but like, are the Yankees going to make the playoffs in your, they're going to, they're going to be playing third fiddle. That's even, what I'm saying. Maybe like, even fourth fiddle. No, they're going to play division. fourth fiddle because it's going to go yeah. Blue Jays and then the Rays and the Red Sox are going to compete for second, third. And the Yankees are coming in fourth and then way down there is going to be the Orioles. But, like, you know, the Yankees, that this was their mistake. They should have signed Correa and just seen what happens. And if it doesn't work for him out or, or, or if Volpe or whoever comes up and ends up being a good player, just move Correa to third. Donaldson's like 50 years old. He's going to retire in a couple of years. Like, you know, by the time Volpe or this other guy's ready, he's going to be able to play. Yeah, they, like they could have used the, all that money instead of spending it. That's on what I'm saying. Donaldson you are the New York and, Yankees and Anthony Go Rizzo. spend a billion dollars on two guys because you can. Like Gallo could have easily played first base. But because I don't think Donaldson's first. contract was massive, was it? I don't remember what he signed for. I think they made that move because Kiner Falefa and Donaldson were on team-friendly deals, and they signed Rizzo on a two-year deal instead of overpaying for Correa. I think that's what yeah. they were wanting to go with. Yeah, they I got more they, players for less yeah. money. Yeah, team-friendly anticip- deals with with the anticipation that they're going to have prospects coming up to fill the empty yeah. spots that'll be filled in a year or two. But like again, is Carlos Correa not good enough that you can find a spot for him? Like, I don't on. think like, he's worth two hundred and fifty to three hundred million though. I mean, Corey Seager got that, and Carlos Correa got three years over 105. Right, but if you're the first guy to sign, you're always going to make less because, I mean, it, it's supply and demand. You know, Correa was the last good shortstop on the market. I mean, okay, I'm sorry, Story was still there, but, like, who do he you want? He was the number one free agent, though, so, I mean. Yeah, he was I think Freddie Freeman free was the number one free agent by far. Well, no, not in total. I mean, when when he signed. Okay. When Correa signed, he was the number one free agent left. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, when Correa signed. And yeah, there are some I mean. people who would argue that he was the number one free agent over free Freddie. Agent. Now, this... I think we all disagree with that. But yeah. Um, and my point is, is like, <laughs> you're the Yankees. Go sign Carlos Correa. Find a place for him. It'll work. And, and you know, now you're going to be in fourth place. Boone's going to get fired at the end of the year. Stanton's getting older. Judge is going to want to leave. And it's like, what do you got? You got Garrett Cole and then. I don't know. I just, the Yankees are not the Yankees. It's weird. And that's a long they, way of they saying still have the, a, They still have a good bullpen though. Their bullpen they do. is still Okay. Well, the good. bullpen doesn't score runs. The bullpen is the games, least though. important part of the game, in my opinion. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Late in October, it, it's the most important when you're trying to close out games. Yeah. So build bullpen your bullpen at the deadline. Yeah. They I always... just don't think they wanted to stay with Luke Voigt either. I think the scenario is of signing Correa means you don't really have somebody that plays third. You have Luke Voigt. Rizzo probably doesn't come back. You know, I, it just doesn't fill their roster. I don't know. Their GM just didn't want to go in that direction. Um, when they traded for Donaldson, kind of Falefa, they got Rizzo back. They, you know, didn't kill their cap space. And so I think they just wanted to go in a direction where they filled the rest of their roster. I still think they'll be able to score runs, but they won't be good. I don't think they'll compete with the Jays and the Red Sox. For sure, um, and not. probably not yeah. the Rays. And the Rays, yeah. I mean, um, I, I see all three of those teams ahead. But of the I don't Yankees. think Carlos Correa beat puts them over the Jays and the Red Sox at any point. I, you know, I don't think so. I think okay. the Jays and the Red Sox are by far better, even if, with Carlos Correa, if if he was on the Yankees. Yeah, Jays are the team to beat in the AL for sure. 
Um, and then the AL East, toughest division in baseball. It'll be it'll be fun to see how that division plays out this year. You never know with injuries and other stuff. So we'll see what mm-hmm. happens. Just a couple more quick hitters that I want to touch on really quick. Nick Castellanos to the Phillies. Kenley Jansen, your boy Kenley Jansen, Karthik, going to the Braves, the nemesis. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was very interesting. And it then was. Luke Voigt to the pods. Uh, that was a very interesting trade as well. I I think he'll be a good fit as a DH, but the most important thing is can he stay healthy? If he stays healthy, he'll be able to get plenty of production for the Padres in that four or five spot. So I, I think it's a good move for the Padres. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it gives them that added depth that they need in, in the absence of Fernando Tatis because they need a power bat. They don't have a yeah. lot of power bats in that lineup. And I think Luke Voigt makes sense there. Um, yeah, I mean, we needed it even without Tatis being down. I mean, we still need an outfielder, which is the problem. Um, I mean, it's and just, right now, there's no more outfielders in free agency. <laughs> well, Confort- Conforto is still out there, but right, uh, right, right. I mean, but is you know, he the last one, the last man standing? <laughs> uh, he's the best of the current outfielders, but we're not going to sign him because that would push us over the luxury tax. And yeah. I don't know. It's just. Yeah, it's, it's a source. Where's, so most of your guys' money is tied up with Manny, Hosmer, and I'm trying to think of Myers, oh, Darvish. Oh, Myers has a big deal, huh? Yeah, he's doesn't getting Darvish something a, this year. Darvish is a, Darvish a lot of money. Has a big, Snell's really? a lot of money. Wow. Yeah. Snell. I mean, oh, I forgot. Snell, we've got yeah. 219 million dollars on the payroll. Like, yeah, it's kind of spread out. The only guys who aren't making anything is Cronenworth, Grisham. And like the because they're still on like their rook, their rookie they're still, yeah, yeah, or they're on, yeah, you know, yeah. I could see the Padres making some moves at the deadline if they are kind of middle of the road to get a little bit younger. Yeah, I mean, I think Luke Voigt made sense because once the Yankees did all the trades they had, it, they had no spot for Luke Voigt. So we needed yep. a power bat. We gave up a prospect that you know has a lot of upside but has a really low floor, and you know it is what it is. I like it. He seems to be. Like he's gonna fit in well. He's got a power bat, led the league in home runs in the shortened season. So that's cool. Yeah, um, he can mesh. I do want to say though, you know, Nathan, you mentioned Kenley Jansen to the Dodgers. Can we talk or about that to Braves? The, uh, to the to Braves. Braves. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. To, no, the, yeah no. to the Braves. Can we talk about that Braves bullpen? You've mm-hmm. got Kenley Jansen. You've mm-hmm. got uh AJ Minter. AJ Minter. AJ Minter, Will Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith. Kirby Yates. Tyler Matzik. Um, I think Darren O'Day still there. Matzik, yeah. there. I don't think Darren O'Day did. Darren O'Day sign there? I swear, there's a, an O'Day. There's Matzik. On... They lost Shane Green. Shane there's Green the guy there. who came from the Astros. What's his name? Will Smith. No. Um. Oh gosh. Oh, Will Smith signed somewhere else too, didn't he? Well prepared here. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all we well prepared. Uh, I pull it up. I was literally reading an athletic article about it. Oh, they got Colin it. McHugh. That's who it is. Colin, Colin McHugh. McHugh. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying, like, and He's then like they already one. had some solid bullpen pieces. Like, oh yeah, if if you're a bullpen guy, that's the place to freaking. Oh, be. Luke Jackson's another guy. He's solid too. Yeah, there's and like their bullpen four, is stacked. There's yeah. four potential closers on that team. It's wild. It's pretty yeah. wild. And the rotation, you know, when they get um, Soroka back, some of those Soroka back, they got yeah, Max, Max Reed. Reed. They got Ian Anderson. Um, yeah, they got Charlie Morton when he comes back. Like, they got a really solid rotation, but. It's going to depend on the health of those guys. It seems like Braves starting pitching has just been like oh, dropping like flies all yeah. every single year. And by the time they get to the postseason, they have like three starting pitchers. <laughs> yeah. So 
Yeah. I think I think the Braves are still pretty stacked minus Freddie Freeman. I mean, Matt Olson, you know, is an instant replacement for him. So I think the Braves will be fine. Uh, I did want to touch on the Phillies, though. I think they have the best hitting outfield in baseball now. Defensively, it's awful. God awful. But <laughs> I was going to say defensively, defensively it's, it's probably so the worst team. But offensively, my gosh, I mean, you could stack yeah. those guys three through five in the lineup and, you know, in any order you want. I mean, the, they're put... one through one through six is arguably the best in baseball. I mean, in no order, it's Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos, Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, JT Real Muto, and, and um, Didi Gregorius. And Didi Gregorius. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty, are you it's a pretty potent offense. It should Not be really good. Here's a good one for you. We should make a t-shirt that says this. I saw this on Twitter. It was the city of unfriendly gloves. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty good. But the biggest question mark with the Phillies is who's going to pitch after Aaron Nola in the starting rotation and bullpen? I don't know. Zach, well, Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. I forgot about Zach Wheeler. Yeah, Zach Wheeler. But he was, you know, average last year. No, don't he really have. Oh, he was, he was really good. Year. He was better than Aaron Nola. He was like one of the best fantasy pitchers in uh, baseball, too. He had like, I think he had a low three or a high two ERA. It was like a high two ERA. Oh, really? And he had like 200 plus strikeouts. He was a beast. I can't, I can't think of anybody in their bullpen that's that's solid though, right? They got, um, they actually just signed Familia. Oh, Juris, Juris Familia. Familia, Brad Hand. Oh, Brad Hand's in Philly. Now. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. They had one other guy. I mean, yeah, like, but we all know, like, I mean, this has been an issue. With Corey Canable. They got Corey Canable. Oh, that's nice. a good pickup. Corey Canable was good for us last year. But yeah, I mean, you look at their rotation; it's not that bad. You know, they got Zach Eflin. He's put up some like semi-good years. He can still pitch. Um, I think he got hurt mm-hmm. last year. They got Kyle Gibson from the Rangers. He mm. actually is a sneaky good pick, pickup that I think you know bolsters their rotation. So you look at the Phillies; their rotation's not that bad. It can compete with more than half of the other teams in in the rest of baseball. Yeah, it'll be interesting. That AL East is is looking a little bit more competitive than I thought. Um, yeah, with the, the with the Mets with the with Mets, the Mets making Braves. all of those moves, and and now the Braves and the Phillies. It's going to be really competitive in both East in both both leagues. So it, it'll be really yeah. fun to see all that. Yep. But yeah. Um, any final takes before we move on? Nope. That's that covered it. MLB baseball is the new NBA offseason now. It's just player movement galore. And as we I don't, I don't think that's here, going to be true after this next segment. <laughs> as we transition here <laughs> into the NFL, it's been, you know like a roller coaster ride that we've been going on <laughs> through all of the coaster. NFL moves at this off season, stealing the thunder of March madness, stealing the headlines of pretty much every major sporting day that we've known to mankind. So it's just pretty crazy to think that um, we had four major trades that have affected the whole landscape of the NFL moving forward here in the 2022 season and beyond. But I'm just going to get some quick hitters here on all four trades. I think the biggest one, Deshaun Watson to the Browns. Uh, mm. The guy was out for a year, had that whole deme- uh, suit with the whole massage thing, which was um, just like very bad on his part. And, you know, I, I think him well, sitting out for that. 
He had it like 20 lot. women accusing him of sexual misconduct. Oh, and like, 22 lawsuits yeah. from yeah. Fi- a physical therapy. And by the way, this is this is a side note, but um, apparently his lawyer is some like crazy hot shot late night TV commercial lawyer in Houston. And like this guy was like bouncing off the walls with this. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, All right. <laughs> so... I mean, like I'm just, all the... I'm trying to make a point that like you are a superstar NFL quarterback and you go get the late night commercial guy to be your lawyer. Like the Houston Texans had to have a better lawyer on call than that. That's what I was trying. I don't to think say. the Houston Texans wanted to help him. I think Anyways, I think they're yeah. obligated to. He's a player. Like they're going to allow his. I don't know. Whatever. But moving to the transaction, though, uh, I mean, go the Browns. They gave up a lot. They basically mortgaged their immediate future to get Watson, signed him to like a five-year, $230 million deal with a bunch of guaranteed money. I'm going to just go over the picks really quick. So the Browns gave up 2022 first-round draft pick, 2023 first-round pick, 2023 third-round pick, their 2024 first-round pick, and then a 2024 fourth-round pick. So basically three number ones, a third, and a fourth. They got Case Keenum in return, but you know that's just like a mediocre QB. <laughs> little that's bag just of chips, throw in. Yeah. yeah, little <laughs> bag of chips on the side. But I just want to get your thoughts on the trade itself, who won the deal, and and what 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 you see moving forward for both teams. Yeah, uh, interesting trade on the on the behalf of the Browns, giving up five picks, knowing that uh, the NFL could possibly suspend him. Um, so there's a little bit of uncertainty with Deshaun Watson, but man, if he can play, it's a home run. Um, you know, you get rid of Baker Mayfield. Uh, the quarterback situation was really inconsistent in Cleveland for a number of years. Baker had one good year and then fell off after that. Um, you know, I'm really surprised that they didn't just trade him to the Texans. Why not just include Baker Mayfield Yeah, and, and maybe get more picks? Who I mean, maybe the Browns... Yeah didn't want to trade him to the Texans, but that just kind of puzzles me because it's like, okay, you're obviously going to get rid of Baker Mayfield now. So just trade him to one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, no, I think Baker was playing his hand of asking the Browns to move him to a contender. Um, he didn't want to go. Ah, to the Texans. He did not want to go. I see. Okay. So they uh, basically fulfilled his wishes. Okay. Right. So there's the couple teams that were out there. Baker actually initially expressed his interest to go to the Colts. Um, he thought it was the best situation for him to win. He didn't get that request. The Colts were never on his radar. So he ended up still staying in Cleveland and they're still trying to find a trade partner for him. I don't but, see any, any fits or Baker Mayfield to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no other contenders that really need quarterbacks. Now it seems like all right. the contenders are set. So, um, you know, maybe it goes down to a Seattle team. Yeah. It goes to a team like Seattle or Texans. Like I, I mentioned, but there's just not a lot of QB openings. Maybe the jets, if they, you know, don't like Zach Wilson. I, I really don't know. It's just a lot of unknowns of teams that he could go to, but I think it's a win for the Browns. Um, yes, they give up five high value picks, but I mean, I think they have their quarterback for the next five plus years and they don't have to worry about that position. Obviously, like you said, it, it, it hinges on the fact that he could get suspended this year, but I think it was a risk that the Browns are willing to take because they don't want mediocre quarterback play. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, uh, the Browns are, are going to look scary. 
hopefully, you know, now OBJ says he might want to come back, says he might want to, might want to come back to Cleveland. Um, wow. you know, they did release Jarvis Landry. So, um, Nick Chubb's still there. A lot of they turnover a... for the Browns. Yeah, yeah. They released Austin Hooper, my boy, Austin Hooper. Yeah. They released him too. That was a surprise. Which I was surprised too. because they, they decided to place the franchise tag on David Joku. So they were just like, wow. all right, we don't need Austin Hooper salary. He was making close to 15 million a year. So wow. I think they decided to be like, you know what, let's just shed his contract. So we don't have to have him on the books for next year, which I guess makes sense. Um, yeah. Then moving on to your boy, uh, who is now an Indianapolis Colt, Karthik. Matt yes. Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I think it's a great move. I think they they made a home run splash hit. Uh, it, I think the, the Colts did amazing in this trade. Um, getting a veteran leader like Matt Ryan, in my opinion, guy that's already been to a Super Bowl, should have won that Super Bowl against Tom Brady if he didn't have Kyle Shanahan calling plays. So, you know, I, I think they got that leader that you alluded to a couple podcasts ago that is going to make them Super Bowl contenders, in my opinion. They're not going to have a guy like Wentz in there anymore turning the ball over against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the last game of the season. You know, they're going to have a guy that's, that's stable, uh, that's thrown for a bajillion passing yards and he's a leader. And I think that's a great fit for the Colts. He's going to make a lot of guys better on that offense too. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Ryan, Matty ice to Indianapolis. I think it'll be a good fit. Uh, Chris Ballard, a genius for flipping Carson Wentz um, for Matt Ryan and some picks. I, didn't even think that was possible with how Carson Wentz was playing. It'll be interesting. He's 36. I think it's a good uh, place for Indianapolis to have a bridge for a couple of years, two, three years, and then possibly draft a young quarterback in this year's draft. Um, you know, maybe somebody like uh, Matt Corral or, or, or somebody and develop them and see what you can get. Obviously they have Sam Ellinger who's still on the roster as well. So it'll be interesting for the short-term future. I like it. Matt Ryan's a good leader. Um, I think he'll, he'll bring a lot to that locker room. Um, and we just have to sur surround him with weapons. I think uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is nice and Jonathan Taylor. Um, we, you know, uh, brought back, um, sorry, we lost Jack Doyle, but we brought back mm -hmm. a couple tight ends and we're going to give Matt Pryor a shot to start left tackle, um, which is a big question mark. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can solidify the defense with possibly Tyron Matthew or somewhere. Um, but it gives them a chance to win the AFC South with the Tennessee Titans. And, and to think how little they gave up. I mean, like you said, you know, they, they got two third round picks for Carson Wentz and they only have to give up a third round pick for Matt Ryan. That really blows my mind. Um, I think Matt Ryan's value was way higher than Carson Wentz. And yet mm -hmm. they, they just cashed in on both trades. So yeah. Um, he gets to and they're not the paying Carson Jonathan Wentz Taylor. salary either. Yeah. I mean, it, so. it the great offseason moves by the Colts. I think they're definitely contenders in the AFC next year. The AFC is going to be very loaded with teams, as we know. So um, I think they'll still make the playoffs next year. But it'll be interesting to see how they look um, mm -hmm. week one. Moving on to the wide receivers. Uh, it pains me to say it, but Devontae <laughs> Adams is now an Oakland Raider. Or sorry, a Las Vegas Raider. Raider. Yep. Um, yeah. My initial thoughts, uh, I was at my house working from home, and as soon as I saw the notification on my phone, my heart literally just dropped to the floor. I could not believe it. It was just 
So it's just one of those. So I'm sitting in the other room, sitting in the other room. (laughs) I'm minding my own business. And I just hear, no, like I'm legitimately (laughs) serious. I just hear, oh, to be a fly on that wall. And I'm like, what was that? And I walk over and I'm like, who's you good? And he's like, Devontae Adams is going to the Raiders. I'm just like, oh (laughs) no. What's funny is he sent that text with no. (laughs) (laughs) So that's hilarious. Dude, Devontae Um, got the same deal from the Packers and said, I'm out. I, you know, what's, it's funny is Rogers came out and said after that when he reassigned with the Packers, he knew that 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 Adams Adams was not coming back. Yeah. To me, I'm just like, what in the hell happened? In between yeah. that offseason where Adams was like, yeah, I want to go with my boy DC. I, you know, I always wanted to be a Raider. I'm like, where did this, you know, I thought it was. He, he did. He did talk about it a little bit in like November, December ish. Cause he knew that, you know, they were at a standstill contract wise. Right. And I think he knew in the back of his mind that Aaron Rodgers was probably about to get a big massive deal. And, you know, from the Packers standpoint, um, I, Demonte Adams was the best receiver in the league, unquestionably. Um, now, how much of that is Aaron Rodgers making him better? I think that will be like, you know, interesting to see with the Raiders because Aaron Rodgers, you know, places the ball right in your hands almost every time. You got a guy like Derek Carr. Demonte Adams is going to have to work a little bit harder on his routes, um, getting the ball from Derek Carr. So, the way I see it is the Packers cashed in on a first and second round pick. They got the extra picks they needed. They unloaded a massive contract that they could not afford. The Chiefs did the same thing with Tyreek Hill. They couldn't afford Tyreek Hill because he wanted like $30 million a year. And they have Patrick Mahomes on for $50 million a year. So, you know, I, I think in terms of those trades, it makes sense for both teams because you can't afford to have them anymore. It's just I just want to. I just want to fact check real quick. The most accurate quarterback in 2021 is Joe <laughs> Burrow, <laughs> followed okay. by Ky- followed by Kyler Murray, and then Aaron Rodgers. Because I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I just hit throw, on a, throw that I'm gonna there. hit on a couple of your things here because I, I know you're a resident Packers fan um, on this podcast and probably no, it was very initially hard for me to fathom that he was gone. But the more I thought about it, it's like okay, it, it makes sense because. It's the bargain keep a guy that, of, but it but it makes you can't sense keep a guy on for thirty million dollars. It makes sense in this term. Packers were never going to pay Devonte Adams, so he had no other option to go somewhere where he would get paid. You're saying that he shouldn't have get paid because Aaron Rodgers got paid. No, Aaron Rodgers got paid, so Devonte Adams could not get paid. If if Aaron Rodgers took a more team friendly deal, but they, they but they offered him twenty seven they offered him twenty seven million dollars a year and he said no. Is he not the best receiver in the game? He is, but I think that the thirty million dollar price tag is a quarterback money, and I, I think that's a little too high. That's what he wanted, and he got it with with the Raiders. Um, and it's interesting that you say um, you know Rodgers did a lot for Adams, and it'll be interesting to see what Derek Carr has, but. Let's not forget who's in with the Las Vegas Raiders football team. You have Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and, Waller, and now Devontae Adams. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the times with the Packers, you saw a lot of umbrella zones and uh, single high safeties with Adams on his side. You won't be able to see that with Waller and Renfro on that same team. 
Yeah, and, and I think it it opens up a lot of possibilities for the Packers offensively because at times it felt like, you know, we didn't really have that number two receiver, you know, that was going to be super reliable behind Devontae Adams because we just kept feeding him the ball all day, him and Aaron Jones. And I think now it gives the Packers flexibility to go out and draft two receivers in the first two rounds and to be able to have a lot more receiving depth because the, the draft is loaded with wide receivers, as we yeah. know. And you can go out in the first or second round and cash in on a top five guy yep. who's going to have, you know, essentially probably similar production to, you know, like, a, you know, eight, 900-yard season. And then, you know, Aaron Rodgers can spread the ball around more. And they have A.J. Dillon as well in that running game. So I, I don't think the Packers – did bad in, in that trade. I, I think that they're going to get a lot of depth from it. They already re-signed Devontae Campbell. They re-signed Russell Douglas. They re-signed Robert Tunyon. He was a beast tight end towards ACL last year, unfortunately, but he he's going to be back. So I, I think there's still a lot to love with the defense and um, offensively, they're going to have to find new, new creative ways to, you know, get guys open and, and not have that number one threat. Kuzo, really quickly, do you think they're going to bring back Marquez Valdez-Scantling? I heard reports today that he was in Kansas City having dinner with with the Chiefs. Mm. But um, I'm not sure how much money the Packers have left to spare. They might yeah. be able to re-sign him, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, he's he's a speedster, gets down the field, and yeah. he's had some inconsistencies the last four years. So I think that's kind of a knock on him is sometimes he drops the ball or doesn't run the right route or doesn't isn't in the right spot where Aaron Rodgers Rodgers wants him to to be so I think in in terms of um, the trade I'm happy for the Raiders you know I've actually grown up liking the Raiders I've been to a ton of Raider games growing up Um, my brother used to work for the Raiders and I actually went to a few Raider games this past year in Vegas so honestly I'm happy for the Raiders good for them I, I think they're contenders and you know if there was a spot that I would want Devontae Adams to go it was definitely not in the NFC North so why not ship him to a team like the Raiders and it was his childhood dream to play for the Raiders too yeah it, it was a childhood dream he wore a Charles Woodson jersey in his um, uh, yearbook photos when he was a kid actually and said he wanted to be an NFL star so kind of so there you go he's from East Palo Alto local guy so makes sense uh, even though they're in Vegas now, but you know, they used to be in Oakland anyways. Um, Tyree kill, uh, you know, same deal as what the Packers did. They did not want to spend and absorb that contract for the next five years. And they decided to ship them off to the dolphins dolphins unloaded a ton of picks. Um, I think the dolphins definitely overspent on Tyree kill. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not even close. Devontae Adams is a better player than Tyreek Hill. I mean, it, it is close, but I think I like, overall. Tyreek's pretty good, though. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's a top five receiver. But I think overall, yeah. Devontae Adams is a more complete receiver. You know, yeah, the way sure. he, he gets in and out of his routes, the way his get off on the ball, the way he makes that little shimmy and just, boom, just goes down the field. Tyreek Hill has the, the same quick twitch muscle um, reflexes and – he gets down the field pretty well too, but I don't think he's as good of a route runner. So I think um, the Dolphins made a big splash, but the biggest question mark is Tua. Is he going to get it down the field to him or not, Karthik? 
Yeah, Tua, Tua's uh, no excuses now. You have Chase Edmonds, Miles Gaskin in the backfield. Um, you have Mike Yusecki, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. Uh, pretty good offensive line. Um, they did sign Teron Armstead. So it's all on Tua. If it's if they're going to go as far as Tua can take him, he's been really inconsistent. Had an okay end to the year. They but, have so uh, many running backs too. I mean, they got Raheem yeah. Mostert. Yeah, um, they still got. Uh, I'm blanking on the other guy, Miles Gaskin. Like they mm-hmm. are, they are loaded offensively. I, I love Jalen Waddle, the rookie season that he had, and I think the Dolphins are actually legit contenders in the AFC East. So it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward this year. Davis, any thoughts on on any of the trades? Uh, I know you've been listening in here. Um, no. No thoughts. Okay. <laughs> uh, I All think right. I think Tyree going to the Dolphins. I mean, when they said he was picking to the Dolphins and the Jets, I mean, why would you go to the Jets? <laughs> like, someone would pick to go there. I don't, I don't know. Go, if anything, go play for the Giants if you want to be in New York. But oh, then again, um, yeah, yeah. I think the Chiefs got a ton of picks. It'll be interesting to see how they adjust because having Tyree as a deep threat and then um, Kelsey anywhere else on the field was yep. a combination that has worked ever since Mahomes got in the league. And I don't fully understand why the chiefs would just get rid of that unless Tyreek was like, look, I'm not coming to play for you anymore. Um, which might've happened in which case you got to trade them, but they got a hell of a lot of picks. And like you said, Coos, the draft is full of wide receivers. They could, they brought in Juju. So I don't yeah. think Juju's a number one. He was his best when he was second fiddle to AJ Brown. Uh, I mean, Antonio Brown. Wow. Um, <laughs> AJ Brown from the Titans. AJ Brown yeah, I meant Antonio Brown. Sorry. AJ Brown drafted by the Padres of all teams. <laughs> Let's go. He's our left fielder. There we go. It has been solved. I'm going I'm right. to tweet AJ, both AJ Preller and AJ yeah, Brown. Those We're are some good points, done. Davis. Those are some really good points. Uh, they were not really good like... points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just repeating what you're saying, Coos. Anyways, um, just to kind of recap that trade. Uh, I mean, Patriots I, I still think... win in the East. Yeah, with Mac Jones, absolutely. I, I, I agree. Actually, no, I don't agree with that. Bills? It's, it's Josh Allen. And the Bills. Oh, wait. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Andrew Howard. I forgot they're in the. There's yeah. a guy named Josh Allen that plays there. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so essentially this trade. The Dolphins gave up Someone first break round pick, second something. round pick, fourth round pick, and then a fourth round pick for 2023 and a sixth round pick for 2023. And I was reading this article about how it was basically a flip for Trey Lance because they traded down in the draft and got all those picks from the Niners when the Niners traded up to get Trey Lance last year mm. as the number three pick. So yeah. essentially they were just trading – Trey Lance for Tyree Kill, which to me sounds pretty good. Um, yeah. So that's why they they had the draft capital be able to go out and land a top five receiver. So I think it makes sense for the Dolphins standpoint and gives two a lot more weapons. And like you said, they got that starting left tackle Teron Armstead from mm-hmm. the the Saints. Saints. Like yeah, that's a huge pickup. Yeah. So Dolphins will will be um, solid. I, I got a question they, for you. They're fringe mm-hmm. playoff team, but obviously that hinges on the AFC West too. <laughs> yeah, I got a question for you now that I'm paying attention. Um, <laughs> if Tua doesn't work out, what do the Dolphins do? 
That's a I'm great talking question. this year. I mean, let's say they go oh, three this and year. Th- three and three because two is just not doing it. It's um, what do you do? Jacoby Brissett time. You, you just play him yeah. instead, and Jacoby's you know, not he's bad. a solid backup. I think okay. the trade market is really slim as of now. I mean, possibly maybe there might be like Baker. But the Dolphins invested so much into Tua. They're not going to just give up on him that easily. What? It's going to oh, be his oh, third year. Oh, you would give up on him if you went all in for Tyreek and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Halfway through the season? Yeah, you would give up on him. Yeah. If you're not winning games, you would give up on Tua. <laughs> and I'm serious. You would. If you're like four and eight, yeah, you would give up. I think on another two. good question is, is, is he going to be better than – you know, say a guy like Marcus Mariota, you know, these guys were Heisman trophy winners. They were expected to do big things in the NFL. I think the still, the, the book is still out on Tua. You know, he, he's played through some injuries. He hasn't had a lot of help offensively. Let's just give him a shot this year and, and see what he's made of. You know, let's see his, his medal that, you know, that, that championship medal that he showed at, at Alabama, you know, he, he did show that at times. So moving on, I know Karthik's making me laugh right now, but <laughs> anyway, your first time hosting the show is going swimmingly. Cause... I think we should cancel this. <laughs> Moving on. So Link to the cancel. The, the, those are all the, the latest NFL headlines. Um, obviously, hold on. I got one more, more NFL thing for you. You got one more other thing. All right, let's 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 hear it. Yeah. So I saw that. Uh, Colin Kaepernick has been working out with a ton of Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And, Tyler Lockett included. Uh, yeah, and I'm yep. curious, do you think that the Seahawks are finally the team that's going to break the seal on Colin Kaepernick and bring him in? Mm, I think it's question. a must. It's a must. It's a must? I, it's a must. I think it's a do must. Do you understand how many sleepless nights the PR person for the Seahawks is going to have once that signing <laughs> happens? The hell it is not a must. Well, who else are you going to go for? A guy like Baker Mayfield? I mean, yeah. the, the Niners aren't going <laughs> to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the Seahawks because then they'd you be in the same with, division. You could go with somebody in the draft. <laughs> it's the draft is weak this year. There, there's like no quarterbacks in the, the so draft. There's always hold on, one hold on, quarterback. Hold on. Hold on. Before, before we get too far down this road, Baker Mayfield has to go somewhere. He's not going to not play. He's too good not to play. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who yep. needs a quarterback? Seahawks, Tech. Well, the Houston. Texans have davis mills but you know they could always possibly panthers mm-hmm. panthers but the yep. panthers came out and said that they were not interested in baker mayfield <laughs> which i thought mutual was hilarious dis- they're like the they, they had a mutual agree- they had a mutual understanding that they were not interested no, in no, with each the other new word i love davis that we're going to use now moving forward mutual disinterest <laughs> i have so a mutual good. disinterest in uh coos I'm just so trying good. to think of other teams that need a quarterback right you now. You said it. I mean, Seattle Seahawks. You did, yeah. There's plenty of other options other yeah, than Colin Kaepernick. There, there's literally me. no other teams that need quarterbacks besides those teams. So, you know, I think Baker Mayfield will probably, yeah, it makes sense that he'll end up on a team like the Seahawks. But what about the New York Giants? Daniel Jones. They, there's not a lot of trust there. I don't think they have faith that he's going to be a franchise QB. The owner said that they need to surround him with better offensive line help and talent, and then they want to see where it goes. So they just need a better um, team, and they'll be better. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what they that's what they said. But Davis, back to your question. I will say that Colin Kaepernick will probably get a get a tryout. I guess I don't know if that's the right term with the Seahawks but he's earned it I, I think he's earned it I, I've seen the the tape on his workouts and he he's looking the good. tape 
the tape, the the five second throw that he throws a bro. You, yeah, but but look at his physique. Now? He's in great shape. He he's still working out. Come on, he, taking okay. care of his body. I asked the question. I think give him a shot. Give him a shot. Why not? Why not? I'm guy, I'm agreeing with you because I think after I being think, shafted for for the last five years. Yeah, but why was he shafted? Because he cost the NFL billions of dollars in revenue, Correct. and they have blackmailed him. Okay, and for some reason. You know, it's not happening now. If you want to put your tinfoil hat on, I think it's because the NFL got all the owners together and said, Look, whoever signs this guy, we're gonna take you down because, like, look what he did. I mean, this happened. Well, that's that's colluding, though. That's colluding on, yeah, because you know. they've never done that before. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's they do shit like that NFL all the time works. until they get caught. It's just how it works. But anyway, I, I brought don't think it up. He's worth the PR nightmare. He's not. That's the problem. His talent is not. He deserves to be on an NFL roster. If he can still play to the level that he did when he took the the 49ers to the Super Bowl, he deserves to be on an NFL team, probably even a starting quarterback if he's at that level. The problem is, is because of what happened, which he Mm -hmm. did, which again, we don't try to get political here, but you know, he made his choice and that's what he did. And because of that, he is now dealing with the outfall of that, which he was the one guy who kind of forefronted it. And he's the one that took all the blame. And because of it, he's now not playing on an NFL team. And I asked a question because I felt like, you know, the Seahawks to me and Pete Carroll, they seem like the type of team that would say, you know what? Fuck it. Bring him in. Let him start. Drew Locke is not our quarterback. Okay. Like it, Seattle's a progressive city and they seem like they're a team that need to bring in some fans. Like, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm spitballing, but I just felt like if there was ever an opportunity, this was the one especially since now he's working out with all these Seahawk guys. It's like, okay, like there's clearly a connection here. Um, but I agree. I think Baker Mayfield makes more sense because he's got to go somewhere. And uh, the Panthers are mutually disinterested. <laughs> I still, can, can you imagine being a professional football player who's making tens of 50 million, you know, whatever millions of dollars. And, and the NFL franchise says, look here, kid, we don't like you. And you don't like us. So let's just tweet it out and let's get this over with. Meanwhile, they're throwing freaking um oh, what's his man. name out there? Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, yeah. 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 Mutual disinterest in winning the Super Bowl between the Panthers and <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. One more side on note. Sorry. One more side note that I did want to bring up. Uh, I forgot to mention this in the baseball segment, but um billion spent on 130 free agents this offseason. That's insane Mm -hmm. to me. Uh, Just an interesting statistic that I saw tonight. Can you Um, adjust that for inflation to the 1950s dollars, please? (laughs) It's a 36% increase from last offseason in baseball. So there's a lot of money being thrown around in baseball right now. And I think it's good, you know, especially after this lockout, you know, to think that we're at this point. I mean, who would have thought? We thought baseball wasn't coming back till like June, you know, that there, there was yeah. a chance that that was going to happen. So at the, at the risk of for that, at the risk of getting attacked here for some Padres reason, you remember when Manny Machado signed <laughs> for $300 million and everyone thought the Padres were crazy. How good does that signing look now? Manny would get way more than $300 if he was a free agent in this market. No, he at would, his younger I, age. I disagree with that. At his younger I, age, well, maybe not now. When age. he signed, I mean, okay, not he now. signed with the Padres three years ago. So let's move that yeah. free agency window up to now, and let's say yeah. he's twenty-seven or twenty-eight, twenty-nine, whatever he signed with with us. Yeah, uh, or twenty-seven, I think. 
you know, I'm just saying like in today's market, $300 million from Manny Machado looks pretty damn good when, you know, so did the Hosmer deal and yeah, well, and look what that, (laughs) yeah, look where we're at with that one. Well, I I still think the Machado deal, I still think they overspent on him. I mean, yes, he's a solid bat, but you know, is he really worth the 300 million? You know, he's going to be like, what 31 32 at this point i i just don't see it honestly yeah. i think Machado that's just because you're a giants fan his best days are behind him <laughs> in my opinion anyway i didn't want to talk about machado no, it's because the there's been a natural progression and decline right so. right go look yeah. at his stats and tell me that he's not worth 300 million dollars include yeah, and, his and, and don't days, forget yeah. he's a top five defensive third baseman yeah his younger days for sure but Any, anyway now but yeah keep going i just Sorry, i was just trying to say that like you know the deals that were happening three, four years ago that everyone was like, what the hell is going on? This is crazy. Now look pretty damn good because that money is still going up. Anyway. He's going to have to carry the Padres this season for, for half the season. So we'll see what happens there. Anyways, moving on, we're, we're going to, we're coming up on our last segment here on late to the play tonight. And we're just going to throw a fun topic out there that we bounce around here and there. So we're going to go over our top five baseball parks in baseball right now. Um, can I, can I ask a, what is the criteria that we are judging this on? The criteria is baseball parks that you've seen in person. And you can also talk about parks that, you know, you want to visit one day. No, no, no. That... That's eligibility. I'm, I mean, like, are we weighing this based on best view best? Like, baseball environment history design architecture what are we judging this on basically all of those factors okay noted you can you can judge everything about any stadium you want but what you think are the top five overall baseball parks based on fan experience history all that got it okay cool thank you cool karthik i'll uh start you off here um what, what do you think of the top five baseball parks right now in baseball um, go five I'm, go five to one five to go one five to one um, yeah i you know i'm not going to really speak about any ballparks i haven't been so i'm going to totally uh ignore your question and just talk about the ballparks that i have been uh <laughs> the ballparks that i have been um and i want to go um number five i would actually go with petco park um, I think the San Diego, San Diego, San Diego, sorry, the San Diego Padres actually have a really good uh, ballpark, um, good craft brew located in downtown, great food. Um, and it's a good place to enjoy a weekend series, I, I believe. Um, number four, I will actually go with City Field. If anybody's been to City Field, shout out the sausage. Um, really good food there. Um, actually very underrated um, setup. Uh it's in Flushing, Queens. You can just take the bridge, walk over. Obviously, these are the ballparks that I've been to. Um, number three, I will go with uh, Coors Field. Um, Coors Field, Ooh, uh, interesting great setup. Um, great concept. Have a, have a rooftop bar that you can get in really cheap if you want to get into the game. Um, so it's, it's pretty fun that way. Um, it located near downtown. So if you want to go do something after or before, it's a good setup that way. Um, number two, 
This is this is kind of be a little bit surprising to you guys, but I think one of the best ballparks if you want to enjoy some quality quality Milwaukee baseball. You know, see a guy roll through the slide. (laughs) I'm talking about, I think it's still called Miller Park. Miller Park, because that is a really good time. Um, Good place to just enjoy a game. A lot of fans that know what their uh, team is about. I got the retractable roof. Yeah. Retractable roof. Yeah. Um, It's a fun atmosphere. I'll also add, since I've been there, best tailgating experience in baseball. I did not know that. That place, if you want some greasy meat. Go to a freaking Brewers game. Are you kidding me? They're out there flipping sausages, having a great time. Wisconsin just does it all. It's the same thing with the Packers tail. Yeah, you want cheese with that? You get the cheese curds in the parking lot. Oh, they're just You put some cheese on your cheese curds. (laughs) And my number one. And the the bratwurst is just amazing. (laughs) Brats, that's what it is, not sausage. My number one ballpark. It used to be called um, Safeco Field. It's actually now called T-Mobile Park. Out of nowhere... (laughs) Um, I think the variety of food it brings. Do you need glasses or something? <laughs> These are the ballparks <laughs> I've been to. <laughs> um, T-Mobile Park. Uh, it has uh, you can get grasshoppers there. Uh, it's it's just very different. Um, I like that about baseball. Uh, actually, cheap cheap beer, so it's a good time. Uh, but that is my personal five of the ballparks I've been to. Um, not the ballparks, whatever. Could just wow. <laughs> Well, it, it can be parks you've been to or parks that you want to see. I mean, it's just the top five overall, in your opinion. So all I've learned from I, this I respect is that, that you need to go to some more baseball parks. <laughs> I Jesus have not been Christ. to a lot. <laughs> wow. All right, Davis, let's hear Am your list. All right. So I have a little bit of extra breakdown to this. So I'm going to take a few extra minutes here. But at <laughs> okay. number five, Dodger Stadium. I can't believe I said it, but I'm going to tell you this. And Kuz, I've mentioned this to you before, Karthik. I don't know if I've mentioned this. I'm very romantic about baseball. Oh, yeah. I love the old time. I love the Ken Burns documentary. I love the romanticism of baseball. Mm -hmm. Is there a better baseball park on a Friday night summer Mm -hmm. game? Yep. Okay. It's broadcast on national TV. It's like dodgers giants dodgers cardinals right okay it's friday night the celebrities are out you've got freaking jack nicholas sitting in the front row Mm -hmm. magic Mm -hmm. magic's there i mean yep is there a better scene in baseball i hate the dodgers Mm -hmm. but man i wish that i could have gone like five ten years ago to a game on a friday Mm -hmm. night and put my little radio headset on and listen to vin scully call that game (laughs) that is some there is something so romantic about that that like you think about it, you know, Chavez Ravine was built in the fifties. There's a whole backstory there. That's like not great that we won't talk about, but like it's nestled near Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, the, the growing of baseball. It, Jesus Christ. I sound like a Dodgers fan. This yeah, is, that's right. Yeah. yeah, this is bad. I don't like this. I'm thinking like Fernando Mania. It, the problem is, is that the Dodgers have been such a good team for so long. That's like when you are romantic about baseball and you watch a lot of old baseball type stuff, you see a lot of Dodger games and a lot of anyway. Um, so number five, I got Dodger Stadium. Plus, it's a beautiful. I mean, it, it's not beautiful, but it's like a really cool like. What nostalgia feel. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a term for that type of architecture. I can't remember what it is, but. Yeah. Um, Anyway, it's like the cool, you got the tiered colored um, seats to represent the beach and the ocean. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Anyway, so that's number five. Number four, I've got Wrigley Field. Okay. Mm-hmm. If there was one ballpark in America that you were to take someone from another country and say, hey, 
You got to go to one baseball game. Where are you taking them? It's a Saturday, you know, Cubs game, in my opinion. That's like where you're taking them. It, you know, you got the Ivy in the outfield. The Cubs are one of those historic teams. You could argue that Fenway's up there, but, you know, I think that in terms of a viewing experience and having a fun time at a game, you know, Wrigley, Chicago Cubs, like that's a fun one. Um, so those two I kind of threw in there because they kind of had some nostalgia, had some history to them. And now let's get to the real conversation here, which is the nicest ballparks, best view, everything else. So number three, I have PNC, home of the Pirates. Arguably the best view in baseball is PNC. You got downtown Pittsburgh. You got the Clemente Bridge. Uh, the, the product on the field isn't great, but you know what? When you got a good view and you've got some good food, you can work with it. So PNC comes in at number three. Number two, I have Oracle Park, formerly AT&T, formerly Pac Bell. Okay. It is a beautiful stadium. I've been there with Nathan, I will admit, as he's dancing around the Zoom here. Mm. It's a beautiful ballpark. I love the style, the brick. It, you know, again, San Francisco, another city that's got a lot of history to it. It fits really well. Um, I, I think it's great. I mean, I, I, personally, when I was there, it like the atmosphere just felt kind of normal. I wasn't blown away by it. Um, but I think, you know, if you're sitting, we sat up in the 300 level and man, there's nothing cooler than looking out and the whole bay is out there and you're watching the ships go by, you can see the bridges gets to night lights everywhere. The Coke bottle like, in the mid. Those are pretty cool. It, yeah. Iconic. The Coke bottle in the mid out there. Like that's like that retro kind of stuff. I've yet to be yet to go. I I would you gotta I really go. go. You, got, you, you gotta, gotta go, you gotta go for a with, game this year. Go with Coos and he'll talk to you all day about the Giants. <laughs> yeah. stuff. But beautiful park. I had a great I'll time. Bring my earplugs. There. Yeah, for I, sure. If you could talk about like a park that is there is no park that is more perfectly placed in MLB yeah. than that one. It's great. Um, and number one, I'm biased, but I have the backing of USA today who constantly votes at number one. It's Petco. I mean, I'm I'm biased, but man. First off, Peco Park has a beautiful view. I mean, it's like PNC, but everything's closer. Beautiful view. The stadium itself is like always pristine. The food is amazing. If you've ever had, if you've never been there, you got to go purely for the food. The food options are incredible. Obviously, San Diego is kind of known as the craft brew capital of America. A lot of the craft brews are there in, in the in the um, in the stadium, uh, and. I don't know. It's my, it's my favorite. It's been voted number one for a number of years um, based on all the criteria that Nathan proposed. Um, you know, not a lot of history there, not a lot of winning there, unfortunately, but uh, hey, it's still a good time and it's a beautiful stadium. And I would argue there's few places better to watch a sunset than Petco Park uh, while the game's going on. So that's my five. All righty. Good, good explanation there. Davis, I, I I love all the the parks that you just mentioned. I think much better than mine. Really good. That list. list was much better than mine. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go down my list and I'm a much better uh, baseball you... fan than you are. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, well, going to my list in his seat. You better watch out here. Oh yeah, get settled in. <laughs> I'm, folks. I'm ready. Number five, I got the St. Louis Cardinals Bush Stadium. Ooh. I mean, the Cardinals have a lot of baseball history to see the gateway arch in the background. Um, but it was in the other stadium. Bush did not have all the history. Careful, the baseball guy is going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the new Bush Stadium. Anyways, um, still a lot, you know, the Cardinals The arch out are, there is pretty cool. The, the arch is pretty cool. You got Big Mac land out there in left field, um, you know, 
seeing the Cardinals and every time I think of the Cardinals, I think of those Albert Pujols days, you know, Mm -hmm. like that was such a cool scene to see all that red, um, those playoff years that they had pretty impressive, iconic franchise. I'd love to go see a game there someday. And I I think it'd be a great experience to go out and see the Cardinals. Um, Number four, I have the New York Yankees, Yankee Stadium. And I know you're going to no. I'm gonna, it's a billboard. It's overrated. It's a, it's a it's a replica of old Yankee Stadium. Yes, they should have never torn old Yankee. It's Stadium really down. not. It's it's really not. That's the curse of the Yankees. Is they tore. They have Yankee a museum and a Hard Rock Cafe in there. It is not a replica. <laughs> Anyways, I, I I the reason why I, I I'm a little nostalgic with with baseball too. Um, I, I love baseball history and. The reason why I say the Yankees is, you know, they got the 27 World Series. Um, they have this some isn't of the most a conversation iconic. of who is the best organization. It's stadium. <laughs> they they won. Did they even win one World Series in their new stadium yet? No. Uh, that's. Geez. I thought they did in 2009. What are, what are we talking about? No, that was not when the new stadium was. Built. It's an ugly was, stadium. They should have the never stadium. tore down old Yankee. Okay, can I change my pick then? No, no. <laughs> you've committed. This isn't Move Burger on. King. Number this isn't Burger King. You can't have it your way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've always wanted to see a game there. I've always been curious to see okay, what, what it was a- like to see a game. And I think they're they're a top five ballpark in baseball. Okay. Number three. Number three. <laughs> Number three, I got Wrigley Field. Okay. Um, Wrigley Field, I'd love to see the Ivy out in the outfield. Didn't they get rid of it, though? They no, they, it? it just dies every it's, year because of the weather. It just keeps dying, yeah. They renovated a ton of the uh, surrounding areas there and the ballpark itself. they got the giant scoreboards now. It looks a lot nicer than it used to. Uh, I love the renovations. I, I think going to Wrigley Field, that would be a one-of-a-kind experience, and I'd, I'd love to – get up on the seventh inning stretch and sing whatever song that they sing and it'd be whatever cool. song they sing like whatever take me out to sing? the ballpark i'm a baseball guy <laughs> i'm a baseball they... fan and i don't even know what the theme the song I, is. I thought they sang some other song besides the no, seventh inning stretch. It, they bring usually guests oh, i'm not even gonna get it okay hold on coos who is the famous broadcaster for the cubs who sang that song all the time and started the tradition i don't know his name oh no Okay, number two, moving on. It's Harry Carey. Okay, I forgot his name. Moving on. Um, Doesn't even know who he is. <laughs> number two. Number two, I've got Oracle Park. Wow. Wow, Oracle, number two. Oracle Park, I, I think. No Homer is, pick for number one, huh? Yeah, I'm being as unbiased as possible. Mm. And I, I think – Oracle Park is a one of a kind experience. I've been to so many baseball games there. Um, so I love everything. Like hundred or yeah, probably around there in yeah, my lifetime. Yeah, wow. wow, I've been to so many games growing up there in the Bay Area, and every every time I get a chance to go out to it used to be called AT and T Park. Um, that's how I usually remember it. But every time I, I got to go out to Oracle Park, I would just have a blast, an absolute blast. Even if we lost that game, it was just – it was awesome being there, seeing all the guys, uh, all the history with the Giants, you know, McCovey <laughs> Cove, Triples Alley, the Coke bottle, the mitt. 
everything is just so unique about the whole fan experience that uh, that's why it's obviously a top five ballpark in baseball, in my opinion. And then number one, I got Fenway Park. What? I got Fenway <laughs> Park as the number one park in baseball. You've clearly never been to Fenway Park. Yeah, but I've seen it on Ted. It looks it looks cool. On Ted. <laughs> <laughs> oh my this God. podcast has it all. We have <laughs> officially gone off the rails. Fenway Park is your number one stadium in baseball. Yes, it is. I oh could my. see some people having it, but yeah, it's interesting. I'm more offended Fenway. that you put Yankee Stadium above Petco. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yankee Stadium is not that great. But yeah, the reason why I say I, Fenway, yes, I haven't been there, but I've always wanted to go there and see a baseball game. And, you know, you got the pesky pole out in left field. You got the green monster. Um, just the, the, the passion and energy of Red Sox fans. I mean, every time you see a nationally broadcasted game, you know, people are going nuts. They're throwing beer in the air. They're doing whatever. You know, it's like I, I've seen a lot of um, things on like social media and just like what a great place it is to, to go and, and watch the Red Sox, one of the most iconic franchises again, in my opinion. And I, I'm more nostalgic about baseball. And for me, it doesn't matter how old the park is. You know, I, I think the history behind it carries a lot of weight for me in evaluating what I think are the best ballparks in baseball. So that that's what I have as the best ballpark is Fenway Park and love to go see a game there. Hmm. Sweet. Ask, ask Matty Lebs. He'll, he'll be down to show you Fenway Park. Yeah, I'd love to. Matty Lebs, if, again, if you're listening in, I'd, I'd love to get the whole Fenway Park experience. Oh, boy. Oh boy. I, I hope Matty Lebs has not gone this far in this podcast. Well, if you've made it this far in the podcast, congratulations. Uh, we, we went off topic at times, but I, I think this podcast overall uh, has a lot of good content. So all the viewers out there, we thank you again for coming on and, and listen to, listening to our weekly show. Um, we, we really appreciate the viewership. And uh, as they say in, in baseball, take me out to the ball game. So take me out now to the late to the it. play. Good night, everybody. Oh, my God.